Hello, No Code Nation. I'm Ayush, and you're listening to my No Code Story. And this is not your typical entrepreneurship podcast. Here, you get to listen to real people who are building cool stuff, all without writing a single line of code. This is the future of independent entrepreneurship, and you have a front row seat. Welcome to story number 20. It feels great to have spoken with 20 guests in the no-code space, but there are so many more that I haven't even heard of in some cases, like today's guest. But before we get into today's story, if you feel like this podcast has helped you in any small way, I'd love to hear how. Email me at host at mynocodestory.com and be sure to share this podcast with someone who might benefit from this content. Send them to mynocodestory.com. Today's guest is Stefan Caddy, founder of a company called La Boutique, located in Amsterdam. With an empowering vision and purpose, La Boutique aims to connect shoppers to local mom and pop stores. And this couldn't be more timely. At a time when e-commerce has made independent retail somewhat non-existent, Stefan hopes to bring it back. He's taking his years of experience working in the logistics space. He's then used a no-code tool to bring this product to life and is now building out a team to further the vision. This is what it's all about, folks. Check out my conversation with Stefan Caddy. Hi, I'm Stefan and this is my no-code story. Stefan, it's great to have you on the show today. I'm really, really excited for this conversation because um, helping individual storefront owners in an age where Amazon and Walmart seem to be dominating everyone's conversations is a is a really, really cool initiative in my mind. And it's something that I've been thinking about in terms of how do I buy from people that are more representative of the communities that, that we're in. And it looks like you've taken that vision a little bit farther. So first of all, welcome to the show. I want to start talking about your your current initiative as soon as possible. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ayush. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here and to be able to, to share the story of La Boutique. I'm very grateful to be here. So to, to, to get um, to get back to, to get on the idea of why I I, I came up with a boutique. Um, so especially now, I I, I thought that it was um, the right time to take this initiative now, especially because um, I, I I saw like I saw local stories um, being taking a hit during the pandemic. So I used to now I live in Amsterdam. I used to live in in Brooklyn, and um, there last year at the beginning beginning of the year when the, the lockdown started. Um, I remember just seeing all of our, our neighborhood like restaurants and, and retailers just shut down for like multiple many months. And, uh, and, and I was also, I also had lost my job for that. So um, I was brainstorming a way to, 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 help, to help the retailers. And I um, had an idea um, developing a, a network of, of stores um, against Amazon in a model that uses the, the, the existing retail stores as like, as like supply and, and really like connect them throughout, throughout the world really on marketplace. Um, so, um, so I had, I had that in my head and this year, um, really was the, the, how, how do you say the, the clicking point where I thought that, um, it would be the best time to, to, to start working on that. And it would be the best time to, to, to help the retailers with these, with this tool. 
Yeah, so so let's take a couple steps back because most of the listeners here have no idea what La Boutique is. And so why don't you yeah. start by describing La Boutique in, in a couple of sentences and then we'll kind of go through a timeline of when the idea actually struck, uh, when, you know, development process and so on. So describe La Boutique for us. So in essence, is a marketplace for, for local retailers. Our goal is to connect local retailers under a marketplace and allow shoppers to, to shop in, in an Amazon style um, fashion. So, so through a convenient marketplace, shopping from, from local retailers around the world. Um, so we're we're starting um, in in Amsterdam and and Brooklyn, and our goal is really to expand into other cities throughout the world. Okay, great. So any local retailer can do they sign up on like an app and add their store to your your network essentially? Yes, yes. So retailers can sign up through the app. They, it's a, we try to design an easy sign up process. Um, they just have to certain information about their stories to get running. And then they can upload products and um, just any, any images and descriptions that they want for the store. That's really all they need to get started. Okay, awesome. And for the end user, they can use the app to order from any of the stores through the app and um, either pick up or get. Yes, yes. So shoppers will be able to, to order through the app. In, in, in cities where, so in Amsterdam and Brooklyn, from shoppers will be able also to, to get um, items delivered the same day from, from the shoppers. And through with between cities, uh, we will be shipping the orders through just regular mail. Okay. Awesome. So I think I understand the model of the business up until now. Let's talk about the timeline because I think this is really interesting. I agree with you that the pandemic was kind of a forcing function for a lot of businesses to rethink how they did, uh, how they went about their day to day. We saw Amazon's market value kind of, I don't know what it did, it probably tripled or quadrupled or something. And uh, same thing with all e-com, right? So e-com shipments in Q1 are the highest that they've ever been in any Q1 after the year 2000. And we know what happened in 2000, 2001, right? With the dot-com bubble. So we're definitely at a stage where e-com shipments are an increasing percentage of the overall overall shopping environment. Let's talk about the timeline here. So March, February, March was when, at least in the US, COVID was breaking and people started to get aware that this was a thing to pay attention to. So walk us through the timeline, maybe starting from that point. So February of 2020, what were you doing? Where were you? And what prompted this idea? So, uh, February of 2020, I was in Brooklyn. Um, and I think I, that was, I was just finishing my, my, my job. Um, so I was working for a startup that was owned by Walmart. It was called um, Parcel. We, we were doing the last mile logistics for um, Walmart and Jet.com in New York. Um, so a bit before, in the end, in the end of when I, I finished. Um, what was your and, role there? I was an operations manager. Okay. So I was, I was, I was doing product, um, well, an operator with the role of also like the product, some, someone product manager. So I was uh, managing all the products and the analytics and the routings, including also the warehouse. So then, so once, once that, once that, and I was, I remember talking, I was talking with my colleagues, actually, we were having um, dinner and just brainstorming on how we could use um, some of our some of our our knowledge our operation um so how we could use that to benefit what was going on um in the city uh, in brooklyn especially um and then um, and that's and that's where I, I i started talking about 
the idea of connecting the, the stories between um, under under one map marketplace and then offering that as an option for 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 customers to to support the stories that are in the city and then and then through talking we realized that we could it's it, it could be a model that could also be replicated in, in other and then that's when i started really thinking and work out on the idea and and uh when you think about la boutique is the idea that it's going to be for a specific type of store or how do you define what stores can be part of the, the ecosystem so the the type of store would be ideally i would i would say um mom and pop shops i think that's what that's that would be the, the term um so a store that's doesn't necessarily have a national presence um so more that has more of a even even just a city presence so it's just present in the city or just in, in that neighborhood and not not a lot of stores in the city so um and where the there is really um really tied to the to the to the store so um where the, the store owner is really committed to the store uh, and um, and we think that we think that these stores have a lot of value um and and especially now with like the online the online boom um and the the shift the big shift to e-commerce we also think that these stores the digitalizing and 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 transitioning into into e-commerce all right so um when did you start and and the reason obviously i wanted you on the podcast here is because you used bubble to create your app right so maybe talk about the timeline of app development how many iterations uh, did you go through and before you had sort of a final version that was ready to load onto the app so um i i started um, working on that um so actually first i was i was working on adela Okay. Um, and then it worked too well for me because I found it a bit, I was a bit constricted, I think, by this. Um, so, um, so then I discovered Bubble and compared to, but it somehow felt more intuitive, I think, because of the level of complexity that, that, that you have or that you, so, um, so I, th- I started, I think I started working actively on the app in about April of 2020. I finished, um, in, in January of this year. January, February, that's when I, I had the, a V1 that I was, let's say, satisfied with. So about um, eight months of, uh, of app development. How long was it before you got comfortable with, uh, with Bubble? Was it a month? Was it two months? I would say it took me about two, 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 two three months to be really comfortable. Um, and, I, and I still feel like I'm still learning. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think after two, three months, I noticed I noticed um, a big, a big increase in the in my output. Let's say. And uh, have you used uh, other no-code tools in the past? Like, um, is your first one that you're creating the app? Um, so I used Airtable in the past. I don't. I, I would. I would say Airtable could be considered as as an is is considered as no-code tool. Um, also Shopify. Right. Uh, I used the Google Sheets kind of as a no-code tool because I used to make products for my for them the, when I was um, working as at the startup I would do products for obvious right using um, using Google Sheets so so yeah I, I would say that I had some experience with no-code yeah. so you were more technical say than the average person that's and 
even for someone like you, it took a couple of months to get comfortable with uh, development in Bubble. And the reason I bring that up is because multiple guests in the past on the show have indicated that if someone's fresh from, uh, say, a, a non-ops or non-technical background, Bubble may not be the ideal tool to pick up to start out unless you know your vision's already developed, right? So for example, in your case, you already were thinking about the product at a much deeper level than most people think about uh, when they want to start using a tool to create a website or a storefront or something like that. So I appreciate that uh, insight into the timeline because I think that's going to be really valuable for people. So it took you about eight months to go from idea to a fully functioning V1. And um, what were some of the things that you did to source uh, store information? Like how did you actually go about uh, including stores into into your app and um, make sure that it's reflective of, I know it's Amsterdam right now, but make sure that it's reflective of all pockets of Amsterdam. So um, what do you mean by in including, or like um, this, the, this selection? Correct. So the store information, the selection within each store, making sure that that's up to date, because I'm, I'm sure there's an ongoing component of store operators kind of making sure each store's assortment is updated. Yeah. So, so uh, keeping to date, um, I actually use um, Google Sheets. Okay. <laughs> I have, um, I think just from, just from having uh, used Google Sheets in the past so much, um, I, I, I set it up in a way that um, it allows me to just quickly update based on um, just triggers from um, coming from the, the, the selection. Um, I try to, to go about um, what the locals what the locals like um, and um, where locals like really go to go to shop. Okay. And um, what has the color was of the Amsterdam when you started? Now it's just Amsterdam. Um, in Brook, uh, we haven't like um, started um, operating yet. Um, well, even here, like, also because. Um, but um, the the stories the stories uh, find it a very good initiative. Um, the the one the um, initiatives like these, or I guess the one not block, but the one like. Um, point of block for the stories is um, making it or the ease the ease of the product. So they're saying that, uh, well, having been approached by similar type of marketplaces in the past and experiences that um, it's, it's, it's hard for them to manage um, that and their, their store as well. So okay. it's kind of like an, an additional work. So what we're really trying to, to we really, we're really trying to show them that we're developing this tool um, in the in the operation, not um, not to give them more 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 work. <clears throat> so I get I bet you get this question a lot, but how does this differ from something like an Uber Eats or I don't know Grubhub or something like that, where some of these apps are actually starting to branch out beyond just restaurants, which was the initial target market. Um, uh, what, what? How does how does your um, product differ from some of these? And what's like competitive mode and things like that? What are some of the factors that you're in? So um, I think in the, the I guess the main difference the difference in essence would be the the the, the, the supply. Um, Grubhub and like Uber Eats are, are are taking supply from from restaurants, whereas um, we're 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 working with them. Um, Retailers, although I know that I I I I, I transit or include, um, um, so but I think so that that 
that would, I think that we have a different, a different vision or a different, a different goal in the long term. So I think that that's what would, that's what's going to differentiate from these, from 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 our competitors, um, because our focus really would be is is for uh, the local retailer, the local mom and pop shop, and and I think that none of these apps are are focusing on 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 that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's actually a much needed component of, of the overall environment, the overall business environment that we're in. And as you're thinking about growing the product to different cities, there's probably a people component to it as well. How are you thinking about that? Because I'm assuming, at least right now, that you kind of built version one of the app entirely by yourself over the course of eight months. Probably if you had like someone else to help you or, or, or hired someone that was a bubble expert, etc., you could have uh, shortened that timeline. What's your strategy in terms of growing to other cities? So, so hiring for uh, hire to, to be able to work faster first. Uh, we want to hire uh, locally to um, get get local talent and because we think that it will be we think that they would have better like insider knowledge on on either any any type of in any type of uh, let's say focus that they're on so they'd be like marketing or sales or even operations so uh, so we're trying to hire right now in in amsterdam and in brooklyn to be able to to to, to, to scale up and and really like the, take the product fully to market and uh, in terms of the on the developer side i'm also looking for a, a bubble developer actually to to help me work on the app and so that i can also focus on other things than than just the technical part yeah so i guess that's a note to listeners of this show so if someone's a bubble developer and uh, they're they're interested in contributing we'll have some kind of a contact information for stefan here as well so or, or the team the broader team so you guys can reach out the the really nice thing about not having a bubble developer i think is that you got bubble app of the day regardless right which is pretty awesome <laughs> all things considered yeah, so was, uh, congrats was... on that and that's actually how i i heard about uh, la boutique and i'm really glad that it, it came up on my uh, my Twitter feed and then we got in touch. What was your experience working with Bubble and did you get to meet any of the team as uh, w- when you got featured on this? I haven't gotten to, to meet the team. But my I mean, my experience so far has been really good. Uh, I, 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 I love Bubble, honestly. I, <laughs> it's, I think it's like, it's like, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing tool. And it's not just, not just for like, I guess, making just like for I think I think it's 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 great because I think you can make just like prototypes with it, but also just like a fully just like functioning functioning app. And uh, the speed the the speed the, at which it allows you to to develop, I think, is is incredible. And 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 more and more, I think even just like on in the on the enterprise level, more and more companies are going to to start looking at. At, at local tools and especially local tools like Bubble, because it could allow companies to quickly like create tools for the for the for the operations. And because I, if I if I had known about Bubble just working for Walmart, there's so there was so many applications um, that, that that I could just think off the top of my head that could have been that could, that I could have used it for, and it could have it could have increased our like let's say op- operations efficiency and also decrease the workloads on the engineering side 
because a lot of a lot of products that were like um, sent to engineering could have been just kept on just even the operations level. Right. Um, and 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 yeah. So so I think I think it's a I, I think it's honestly an incredible tool. Yeah, that's uh, I think a shared sentiment across a lot of people that have started to use this. How enterprises use no-code tools is an active area of of development right now. And something that I have the the opportunity to be front and center with, given my my day job, and I think there are a lot of things that that companies are looking at in terms of expanding their no code app ecosystem, and not only enabling internal stakeholders but also enabling their customers. So if you're an enterprise SaaS company, enabling your customers to create small light apps on top of underlying data that that your uh, company may own. Uh, seems to be a really viable opportunity, market opportunity, that that's only set to expand over the next few years. L- let's talk a little bit about your your fundraising and uh, just discussions with the investor community at large. Have you raised any funds so far? No, no, not yet. What's I'm, the plan? I'm there? actually trying to to raise funds to be able to expand expand the team. So I'm working on that right now, but we haven't raised any funds yet. Okay, and I think uh, you know an important component for most most solo founders, which uh, I'm assuming you, you're you're a solo founder, right? Do you have someone else that's working with you on this? No. Yeah. So for most solo founders, I think the the trick really in looking at all the journeys that that I have uh, so far is getting as far ahead of the fundraising curve as as possible. And I think there are a lot of <clears throat> really cool uh, venture capitalists right now in the no code space. That are focused on helping companies that that either create or or use no code tools to to create marketplaces. Let's talk about your personal story. I know you're from originally from the Ivory Coast, right? How do you end up in yes. in Brooklyn? So I first actually was I ended up in the U.S. first in California in San Diego. Uh, went there for my bachelor's. So I, I, why? Because I didn't want just to, to continue in the French system. So it was in the French like education system um, mm-hmm. in high school. Normal like uh, direction was to go to like university in France, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to to go somewhere else, and uh, and the U.S. seemed like a like a good a good spot, especially also because my dad went to school in Los Angeles. Right. So um so um so yeah, that's how I ended up in San Diego. Then uh, I I I wanted to after I finished my degree in chemical engineering, I wanted to to work more on, to know more about um, optimizations and, uh, and optimizing processes in companies. So I focused after that on um, industrial engineering and that, that's what took me to, to New York, went to NYU for that. And then that's that's how I, I ended up in, in Brooklyn. Then I, after 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 COVID, I, I since I was an international, since I was an international uh, person, I couldn't decide, didn't have a, a job. So I wanted to come to Europe, but I again didn't want to go to France. So I decided to, to, to move to, to Amsterdam also because, uh, mostly because I think um, the logistics, this, the, the logistics infrastructure here is, is ideal for, for, for what we're trying to build. Interesting. So, uh, I mean, I want to dig into various parts of it, but the last part that you talked about, you know, not wanting to move to France, uh, I found that funny because one of the things, I have a bunch of colleagues that are from France and that live and work not in the major cities, but in what you would consider maybe a tier two city or, or somewhere in the countryside. And one of the trends that I was made aware of 
in just uh, the day-to-day shopping dynamics of specifically produce in there for farmers markets for example is that increasingly the the population that's living in these cities that are kind of spread out across the countryside are buying more and more from uh, more and more produce and and other other goods from these farmer markets that are starting to get really co- well coordinated is that something you're familiar with because uh, that that's kind of in line with the, the whole localization of of a product assortment although you're you're targeting a different area of it is that something you're aware of do you know do you know much about it yeah uh, it's it's it is it is a trend I, I think it is picking up i've seen because i've seen some initiatives like that in in brooklyn new york even and even in the rest of uh, the us more and more uh, after covid um and even some that are very like um, specialized or not specialized yeah specialized for a, spe- a specific type of like um diet or even culture <clears throat> so i think i think yeah i think i think those are those are really cool it i think i think it it is it is it ties it, it also ties to a similar essence that we have in in the sense that it, the goal of it is to 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 support and like um not i wouldn't say expose but showcase um local 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 products yeah, makes a lot of sense. And in your time in New York, I know you've written about shopping in in Bushwick and how that kind of inspired you to to come up with this with this idea. Tell me how how storefronts and maybe individual store owners are are faring right now, given the current stage of you know everything like the reopening, the pandemic, etc. Are you still in touch with the people that that you were connected to in New York? What was the experience while you were there? I think even just before. So before the pandemic, uh, I, I, I would say, I, I, would, I, would, I would even put it like, not just with the stories, but just like the, the energy of the city. Like it was this like energy that, that just disappeared once, once, the lockdown, once the lockdown started. And, and I guess like part of that energy is, is a lot of the energy comes from like people, you know, the people going to work like every day, like, those like local and like the, the the local communities, the the anyone that really contributes to the community, the people that work in those communities. So a lot of the, a lot of that was like was was gone, and and you could really feel that, um, and um, and 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 even just seeing seeing like stores, because um, I, I remember going down um, just driving around the city sometimes um, at night, and it would be just completely empty. Um, and you would just see like stories, uh, uh, storefront just completely boarded up. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it, it, it gave like a very like gloomy even vibe to the, to the, to the city. And, um, and, and it made me think that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it would be a shame to, to lose, to lose all of, all of those, um, all of those shops that, that bring, that bring life to the city that bring all this activity to the city. Um, and so and I think that that's, that's one thing that I was really missing and that pushed me to, to work on that. Yeah. Uh, are there any specific tips that you want to share with other no-code makers? So founders that are maybe starting to use Bubble or, or another no-code solution to build their first product. What have you learned over the past year? Um, so I would say there's, there's a ton of help online. 
um, the the bubble forum is extremely helpful, and also YouTube. I, I learned a lot from YouTube, um, and and also Twitter. Um, I haven't been active on Twitter. Um, I, I'm, now I'm starting to um, to be active, but um, um, I got a, a lot a lot of resources just from Twitter, um, following other no code accounts um, and Bubble, and um, so there's there's a there's a strong ecosystem, I think, um, and um, and and the community is, is really willing to help. So that's also that's also really cool. Awesome. So, I, so I, I think I, I think yeah. So just don't hesitate to, to reach out to other no code no code enthusiasts. Yeah, that's such a common theme that a lot of people that have come on this show have uh, been kind enough to not only share their time but also share their ideas and and uh, you know continue to add value on on Twitter across the ecosystem. Um, I want to thank you for being on today. Uh, I'm really energized and inspired by the conversation that we've had, especially the fact that you know such a focused idea can come from zero to all the way to being on the app store and and being featured on on bubble as the app of the day <clears throat> within the space of months and really potentially in the future impact communities at large so i wish you nothing but the best and uh thank you stefan so much for uh, for being on the show why don't you give a handoff to where people thank can learn me. more about la boutique learn more about you and if you have the, if they have any questions where do they reach out to you yeah, um, so you can um, find our, our website is um, laboutique.delivery um, and you can also follow us on social media at um, our handle is lab, at laboutiquehq um, on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, I'm um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, my handle is Stéphane Catier um, with an underscore. I, I hope people can will be able to, to spell that what I we'll, said. We'll include, we'll include all of those links in the show notes as well. So uh, thank you once again, Stefan. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That was the show. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed it and got a ton out of it. If you did, there are two things you need to do. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to get notified when a new no-code story drops. And number two, I want to ask you a favor. Who's the one person you know who would absolutely benefit from hearing this story? Text them right now and send them to mynocodestory.com and reference this episode. Maybe they're an entrepreneur. Maybe they can use this episode to level up at their job. Or maybe they're just someone who loves creating new things. Do it. Subscribe and then send them the text. Make a difference. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one.